Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hello and welcome to the show. You might not have heard of Brett Burkill or his clothing brand, but you've probably seen his wares. They're impossible to miss. Hundreds of thousands of Australians go to work every single day wearing prime mover workwear. That's his high-vis design. Well, recently, Brett sold that company, the company that he founded on the smell of an oily rag, his words, which made him very rich. Well, now Brett has turned his attention to property. And Brett catches up with Bushy today in the show to reveal details about that fascinating journey and why he chose property. Bushy also catches up with Josh Masters, who touches on a subject that we should all pay very close attention to. That is long-term investment decisions that are based on short-term information. The big question for me was when Bushy asks Josh to identify the tools that you and I can use to check the trends in the data to make sure that we're investing and not just speculating. I know you'll enjoy that interview and that chat. Let's get underway. Hi, and welcome. Now, what I've always loved about property is that it attracts all types of people from diverse backgrounds, and there definitely isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to property success. And to demonstrate this in a two-part Realty Talk special, Today's guest, Brett Burkle from Burkle Developments, is certainly no exception. Transitioning from a successful entrepreneur in his high-vis workwear to an entrepreneur in high-vis property fair. So welcome to Realty Talk, Brett. G'day, Bushy. Thank you. Lovely great, intro. Great to have you on board, mate. Now, Brett, as I've already alluded, you uh, haven't always been in property. So let's start by getting you to tell us about what you've been doing over the last decade or so. Yeah, so my background was in clothing. Um, my family for many generations, uh, three generations was in clothing before. So we had um, you know, a very long history in that. And I grew up in clothing. Um, that's pretty much all I knew. And the business that we started and, and, and developed was from scratch, similar to what we've done with the property. And um, yeah, look, long story short, over, it was a 13 year period, um, we built up, um, a significant business running across multiple countries. And we ended up um, uh, packaging that together and selling it to a large workwear brand over in Ireland by, by KPMG. So that's, um, that process took a long time. And we started with zero customers and pretty much zero money and, and, and built up a significant business that had around 70 employees and, 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 a, and a significant presence at the time that we, that we sold. So one of the things that always ran alongside the clothing though was we, we had a, a great passion. When I say we, it's, it's my wife and I. Um, we had a great passion for property always. So whilst we weren't in property development, um, we always purchased our distribution centres. Um, we, we, we had different factories and, and, then, and then got involved in a lot of passive property. So we, we had a great um, understanding and feeling and passion for property alongside the, the clothing business that was our day-to-day um, -day bread and butter. Yeah, great. Okay. So, I mean, on the outside, uh, at first glance, there doesn't seem to be a, a big synergy between B 
been uh, clothing and, and property. So what yeah. made you decide to move into property development once you sold the business? Yeah, there was definitely a connection. So my wife's from Hong Kong um, and she had great interest in property in, in um, a very different market to Australia um, and often overheating and booming property markets. She bought and sold properties at different times. So um, there was a passion from her side. Again, she, she, her background was clothing and, and, and property as well. And so same with me. Um, I purchased my first property at 22. And as soon as we moved, as soon as I moved in, um, which was just a small villa unit in Hawthorne, the first thing I did was pull up the carpets, um, redo the floorboards, um, paint the kitchen. So there was there was always a desire to be in and around property. And if um, the overriding factor was we're, we've always loved business and been in business, and um, one of the key areas that that continued to to rear its head in people's business success was property and properties obviously was at the forefront of you know financial review lists and 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 all these sorts of things so i often looked at that and thought well it's something i'm very passionate about and clearly um it's 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 been proven over decades and centuries as being um a great avenue for wealth growth so putting all those things together um, property was always in and about. Yeah, and it makes complete sense. So uh, tell us a bit about Burkill Developments. What are you creating and uh, who are you targeting? Yeah, so we again, we started from scratch. Um, when we finished off the, the clothing business, we had 12 months to hand over. And um, basically to the day we walked out and, and hand, handed the business over 12 months after the transaction, we purchased our first development site which was six townhouses. Um, I had done a lot of research as much as I could. I'd probably overanalyzed everything um, down to the, to the last cent. And to be honest, I, I spoke to everyone. I spoke to anyone uh, professionally, personally. You know, my, my, my dad's always been a great mentor and I spoke to him. And I couldn't come to the decision that it was going to be successful or not. Um, so I, I, we, we decided at that time to then just um, say that, look, we've done all this research, everything looks good on paper, but the only way to get into it is to purchase a block and develop it. Um, so that, that, was, that was where we started. And what we wanted to do early on was, um, even though the first, the first development site was, you know, we just had to get going and see how it rolled out. We wanted something close to the train line and we wanted something close to infrastructure. Um, we, we wanted a developing area, but something that was already established. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of areas around Melbourne that do have key infrastructure that have been around for a long time, not, not just Melbourne, all across the country. And um, so once we ticked off those key criteria, um, we purchased the block and yeah, uh, we sort of haven't looked back from that point. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, mate. Well, look, uh... You've, you've wet our appetite. Uh, uh, looking forward to diving into it in a bit more detail in, in part two of our discussion uh, coming up shortly. Sure. So uh, thanks for sharing your experience and your insights with us today, Brett. And we look forward to uh, getting you on again soon to complete the story. Okay, great. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, mate. Now, uh, there's a really good example that we've just listened to of someone who's leveraged their success from their business life into property success. So if you're still sitting on the sidelines because you're too scared to start, 
it's time to get invested in your knowledge as Brett has just uh, shared with us and then get invested in property. Stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Hi and welcome. Now, in a time when property markets across Australia have risen dramatically, it's easy to get caught up in the feverish snapshot of what's happening today with high growth and low vacancies in most parts of the country and then end up making a long-term judgment call on what is actually short-term information. So to put a more balanced perspective on this, I'm joined by Josh Masters of Buy Side Buyers Agents, who's just released his latest Market Essentials report. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks for having me. I'd always love having you on board. Uh, mate, let's start by getting a quick summary from your latest report on what's happening with property around the country. Yeah, fantastic. So obviously the, uh, the lockdown saga continues and it's thrown most areas into disarray. Um, Sydney's weathering it reasonably well, although the, uh, the confidence among sellers is quite low and listings have not dried up as much as last year, but they are certainly below average levels. Um, buyer demand is out in full force though. Everybody's got uh, um, uh, loans that they need to get you know, rolled over into, into their purchase. So we're seeing uh, prices increasing and you know, with, uh, at 1.2 million plus for the median price point for Sydney makes it the third uh, least expensive or most expensive city in, in the world now. Um, oh. Melbourne's probably getting the majority of the hangover from the lockdowns. Uh, their government took a, an interesting stance in not allowing one-on-one -on -one inspections or even auctions to take place. And it really has halted the market there, unfortunately. But I still think there's some potential um, moving forward and especially into the future. Now, obviously, um, places like Canberra, Adelaide, Hobart, Darwin, you know, even Perth, they're all writing double-digit figures on the back of uh, lockdown exodus. Queensland's probably the, the prime state where they're capturing a lot of the uh, movement from New South Wales and Victoria people who are moving outside of Sydney looking for the, um, the, the freedoms and the new lifestyle that Queensland offers they didn't have before. So I think um, that, you know, some of the most interesting figures across the nation are that uh, nearly every capital city is under 1% vacancy rates. Uh, save for Brisbane, which is at 1.3, and then Melbourne and Sydney, again, taking the headaches for lockdown, where people are trying to leave those cities um, and get a little bit of respite, they're in the sort of the 2.7s to 3.2s. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest one that we're seeing is that if you look at houses for the last 12 months, every capital city is now showing double-digit growth. And I think... You know, as a commentator and, and as a researcher of, of the property market, I think that's where the real trap lies, Bushy, because I think on this show, you'll, you know, you'll probably hear, the listeners are probably hearing about all these places that you can invest and that are doing well, especially post-COVID, cultural changes that are moving through and pushing everyone outside of the offices to more work-at-home situations where they want a little bit more room, a little bit more space, they want to be able to go down to the beach if they can. 
And it's very easy to look at some of these figures and think, well, you know what? I can do no wrong. Uh, I can get into these areas and it's going to be, I'm going to make money. And I think that's the, mis the mistake a lot of people are going to make right now. If I were to ask you, you know, how long should we be investing in, in the property market as a minimum, what would you say? I'd be saying 15 years plus, Josh. There you go. Look, yep. a lot of people say 10 years, 15 years is probably a good thing before you see a, well, I, should, I shouldn't say before you see a good return, but, you know, the property markets are a slow moving cycle. And I think the mistake a lot of people could make today is looking at a snapshot of the data of today's performance and looking at, you know, growth rates that are 15%, vacancy rates that are under 1%, you know, rental yields that are 4 to 5% plus. And what they really should be looking at is the trend. The trend that has happened over the last 10 or even 20 years to say, okay, has anything materially changed in these areas that will warrant this area continuing well above where it should have been in the past? You know, I'm yeah. looking at some areas where, um, you know, I've heard some people talking about buying into a high growth area because it's got 10 or 15% this year alone but it's got an average annual growth rate of 2, 2%, 2 or 3%. And you're thinking, well, that just doesn't equate. You know, The same thing goes with uh, the rental markets. We've seen a lot of properties move into under 1% figures. And yet, if you looked back over the last 10 years, vacancy rates could be anything between 4 to 7%. Now, as an investor, that makes me worried because if you're not preparing for those sort of figures, for the next 10 years, then what will happen when things get bumpy and things change? Because when I think we're writing on a lot of information that is happening within these lockdowns that will come to an end. You know, as yeah. vaccination rates improve, as the major capital cities come out of lockdown and into the new year, a lot of these cultural changes may reverse and things may change. Yeah, I think, a, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I think that's a really good read. So, sort of looking beyond the immediate hype and the in the sort of myopic uh, growth that we're seeing in a very short space of time, mm. what are the property market fundamentals actually telling you? Look, I I think that it's important to look at the long term growth rates here. Um, that's what we need to look at. I think a lot of the the fundamentals that we're looking at today, the twelve month growth growth rates, the vacancy rates. Um, they're inflated, quite frankly, yeah. and it won't stay that way. Uh, we're well above the long-term averages for many of these areas. And I think, you know, you have to ask yourself, am I investing in this area or am I just speculating? Because the speculators will look at the long-term growth and ignore it. And they will be hoping, they will pinning their hopes on something that's happening today that they'll hope will continue. Whereas we need to be looking at you know, long-term figures of 10-year growth rates, et cetera, um, vacancy rate trends. And I think the word trend is the key. You need to be looking at what was the average over this time? Has anything materially changed? You know, I've been in this game, look, I've been investing for probably 25 years now, Bushy, and, yeah. you know, buying professionally for my clients for the last 10. Yeah. And over that time, I can tell you I've made mistakes. Yeah. And a lot of those times, it's because I ignored what the long-term trend was telling me and I pinned my hope 
on a particular event, changing that market for the good, for the long term. Yeah, you make a very good point. Yeah, I I know that uh, you'd take quite a scientific approach to uh, looking at the opportunities for properties in certain areas. So what, what sort of tools can potential investors use to check the trends in the data to make sure that they are investing versus speculating, as you say? That's a good question. And I'm, look, I'm going to break it down into two components to keep it really simple. Growth and vacancy rates. Now, obviously, growth is, is price movement. Vacancy rates are uh, a measure of how soft or strong the rental market is in that area, right? That's all we were concerned about. We're concerned about, will this property go up in value and will somebody be there to pay the rent, right? So uh, a great free tool, I love SQM Research from Louis Christopher. He offers great data. You can go on there and look up vacancy rates for any suburb across Australia. It's free. It's free data. You can check the chart for the last 10 to 15 years on any suburb you're looking at. Now, I, they say a balanced market is around 3%. I think that's probably too high. I like yep. to see anything under two and a half. Yep. And you will see whether these suburbs are seasonal. You will see whether there's a long-term trend that is too high or too low, or whether there's just been a COVID jump and now it's back to normal. I yeah. think, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of my data straight from the source, from CoreLogic. Um, they put out some fantastic data. So if you're willing to pay for that, great. Uh, you can also find some great um, uh, 10-year growth rate trends on Price Finder if you're willing to pay. But if you want a free uh, source, you can go to um, your investment uh, property magazine site. You can type in the suburb and they will give you some of the key data that we get as industry professionals. Now, obviously, you want to be looking at your 12-month growth rate and your yields, et cetera, but they also print 10-year growth rates. Now, 10-year growth rates are very important. If you're looking at an area that's that somebody's telling you is great to invest in because it's 10% this year, but it's a long-term growth rate of 1%, that's a red flag for me. Um, I think the other things to mention are just from a, a top-level perspective, uh, I love looking at Pete Wargent's blog site. He's got some fantastic information. He dives into some of the economics around why um, areas are doing what they're doing, why the country is doing what it's doing. Uh, personally, I love Terry Ryder's hotspotting. If you're willing to pay for um, some of the the, uh, the reports in there, he has great infrastructure um, reports on what's happening around the countryside. And you know, you'd be you'd be crazy not to look at CoreLogic's blog and, and REA's blog as well. Uh, for some of the information around the country of what's happening economically and what's driving uh, some of this demand. And I think that's the key thing. You've got to look at the drivers of growth in these areas and not just the the, uh, the fads that are happening today. You've got to be looking at the long-term trends. Yeah, beautifully said. And, I, and the thing that you haven't said that you probably can't say, but I can, is that uh, for those that are time poor, and, and most people are, if they really want to be able to interpret that data, because there's one thing getting the data and the second thing is making sense of it, then uh, I I highly recommend engaging someone like yourself as an independent buyer's agent who can really start to read the tea leaves and make sense of what's going to happen rather than what has happened. So uh, mate, uh, really appreciate your timely insights on this, Josh, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks for having me again. 
Well, there you have it. Uh, if you're looking to invest in property for long haul, get rid of your microscope and pick up a telescope. You're watching Realty Talk, your trusted voice for all things property. Welcome. When was the last time that you had to negotiate something important? What did you think and how did you feel both before, during and after the negotiation? Was it stressful? Were you anxious? And did you achieve your outcome? Well, as the country's currently in the throes of a once in a generation property boom, the quality of your negotiation skills is going to make or break your ability to secure the right property in the right location at the right time, as well as your success in just about every aspect of your life. So to help you with this, over the next few weeks, I'm going to run a special Bush Bite series that will discuss and unpack the science and the art behind negotiation. So let's kick it off. Because every one of us is negotiating every day. It's just that we mightn't be aware of it. Every interaction where we want to get something involving others is a negotiation. So one of your core skills to achieve sustainable success in any endeavor is to become a good negotiator and to be able to influence others in a positive way to get what you want or to achieve the best possible outcomes. Now, there's a lot to share on the art of negotiation. So we'll start this series with a look at some general principles. And then given the rare window of opportunity that's available to secure good quality property during the current boom in values across Australia, over the next few weeks, we'll gradually drill down into some clever negotiation tactics that will help you secure a property in a high demand market. And the good news is, that these negotiation approaches can be utilized in any negotiation situation that you find yourself in. So the first and most important step is to change your outlook on negotiation. As renowned negotiation expert Margaret Neal reveals, one of the biggest challenges that we face in negotiations is that we view negotiations as a battle. And that battle is characterized by, I'm going to try and get stuff from you that you don't want to give me, and I'm going to try to keep you from getting my stuff. If we view negotiations like that as a battle, we've already got a problem. Now, Neil suggests that what's more important is that we look at negotiations as an opportunity for collaborative problem solving and looking for a solution that makes you and them better off, better off than your alternatives and better off than your status quo. Because there's single control in negotiation I can't force you to say yes. All I can do is present proposals where you believe it's in your best interest to say yes. And so once I take that perspective on negotiation, which highlights the importance of the other party as well as me, so many more opportunities and potential win-win solutions start to open up. And this can be for any situation, whether it's a new job and you're trying to negotiate your terms of employment, whether you're trying to buy something, when you're in a meeting, or it might be something as simple as deciding with your partner who's going to take the dogs for a walk on a cold, dark, rainy morning. Now, Neil also reiterates that you need to focus on solving the problem, not on winning the battle, because if you find yourself in a battle and in a power struggle in the negotiation, you've already lost. The key is to be being able to solve problems in a negotiation is to understand as much as you can about who you're negotiating with, what motivates them, and what will influence them to move down that path of agreement with you of their own volition. 
Remember that in a negotiation, goals are important and we absolutely need to know what a good deal looks like for us. But we also need to have flexibility in how we achieve that goal. We need to remain open to the opportunities and explore often unexpected pathways to go with the flow and to see where it leads you to your desired outcome. In this regard, you need a GPS, not a rigid recipe. And for me, this is a lesson that I continuously learn and relearn because too often I choose a path to my goal because I've chosen it, not because it's necessarily the right one. So in summary, changing your outlook is a key first step to successful negotiation. Now, the next foundation stone to successful negotiation is the importance of building good rapport. In this regard, retired FBI hostage negotiator Chris Voss provides some innovative negotiation approaches in his great book, Never Split the Difference. Voss sums it up beautifully when he says that negotiation is the art of letting the other side have your way. And how do you do that? Well, we all have two ears and one mouth and we need to use them in those proportions. So we need to ask questions and then listen. From the outset, you should continuously ask questions and make affirming statements that allow the other party to talk freely. In this way, rapport grows, trust develops, and you gain a much greater understanding of exactly what their needs and preferences are so that you can then create solutions that satisfy them as well as you. It's about building emotional equity and what Voss calls tactical empathy. In simple terms, people prefer to do business with people they like. So if the other negotiating party gets to know you and like you, they're more likely to trust you and then more likely to negotiate favorably with you. The magic happens when you ask questions and provide reassuring prompts that allow the other party to come up with solutions that they feel are their idea, but are really in alignment with what you're trying to achieve. In this regard, the three main drivers of a negotiation are hopes and dreams, uncertainty, and trust. So let's start with hopes and dreams. Most negotiations are about helping you and the other party to fulfill your hopes and dreams. It's about how each party imagines what life is going to be like when they negotiate those things and how their lives and well-being are going to improve. In this respect, most negotiations are emotionally driven and the bigger the perceived value and investment, the bigger the emotional investment and expectation, which tends to cloud rational judgment and gets in the way of objective decision-making. I've found that the best way to avoid this is to get others to negotiate on my behalf. In the property buying context, this is about getting an independent buyer's agent to act for you, for example. The second key negotiation driver is uncertainty. Successful negotiations are about eliminating or minimizing the uncertainty for all parties. Uncertainty and fear of the unknown generally results in emotionally driven responses and the instinctual fight or fight reactions that can often shipwreck negotiations. So the key is to eliminate uncertainty with good, clear and regular communication on who is doing what, by when and why. This means that in addition to you finding out as much as you can about the other party, you also share the right information about yourself that's going to be conducive to the outcome of the negotiation. The final key negotiation ingredient revolves around trust. 
how can you be trusted? How can you trust the other parties? Well, as discussed in my book, The Freedom Formula, and outlined in detail in Charles H. Green's groundbreaking book, The Trusted Advisor, trust is built on the integrated combination of four key criteria, which are credibility, reliability, intimacy, and self-interest. Now, breaking these down, credibility is what someone has said and done. Reliability is someone repeatedly doing what they say they're going to do. Intimacy is feeling comfortable with someone, their openness and honesty. And self-interest is the degree of impartial independence versus the level of vested interest of both you and the other parties involved. And this is often the most important ingredient. Now, there are two simple yet proven and powerful tactics that you can use in tandem to build trust with almost anyone you meet. But you'll have to wait for next week's bush fight to find out what they are. So to summarize our negotiation discussion today, changing your outlook is a key first step. And the three key drivers of successful negotiations revolve around hopes and dreams, uncertainty, and trust. And remember, great negotiation is actually great collaboration. And collaboration requires trust between two people. Next week, we'll be building your negotiation toolkit by discussing mirroring and labeling, along with perceived power. That's more food for thought. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. Stay tuned for more. Thanks, Bushy. Wise words as always. And Bushy will have more negotiation tips for you next week. And we'll, he will catch up with Brett once again for the second part of that fascinating chat. Thanks also to Josh Masters. I've got to say, I always get so much from any conversation we have with Josh. Thanks, mate. That was brilliant. Well, that's it for another week. I'm Kevin Turner. Look forward to seeing you next time. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 